0: Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to slash blue wire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydehealing.comslash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website
2: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And that voice you heard just before our theme music kicked in, saying, Gamble On, fellas, Gamble On. That, of course, is Phil Hellmuth yeah. and the man who appeared as our guest on episode 100 had himself a fine week winning his 16th World Series of Poker bracelet on Sunday, putting him six bracelets ahead of Phil Ivey, Doyle Brunson, and Johnny Chan. Let's do a pardon the interruption style segment, John, in honor of PTI recently (laughs) celebrating its 20th anniversary. What happens first? Someone catches up to Helmuth in bracelets or another starting quarterback catches up to Tom Brady in Super Bowl rings?
3: Wow. Uh, I'm not going to live long enough to see either one happen, Eric, but, uh, (laughs) you know, assuming they stick to only one Super Bowl a year where it's conceivable that down the road, they had a lot more WSOP bracelets someday. I guess I, so I'll say the first one, the uh, Helmuth bit. I don't know. This is a trick question because neither one of these is happening.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I agree with uh, both parts of the answer that neither one is happening, (laughs) but that if one is, it's, it's Helmuth getting caught. I mean, look, Never say never. Right. But I have a hard time seeing another quarterback winning seven rings in my lifetime. And oh, by the way, Brady might not be done. He he might make that record even harder to catch. Uh, But, you know, look at, look at Patrick Mahomes. He won one everyone starts wondering how many is he going to win? How long is he going to dominate the league? And then we're quickly reminded how hard it is in a team game to actually win year after year after year. He's, I'd say, more likely to never win another Super Bowl than he is to win six more. Um, So, yeah, I'm with you. The the answer has to be that someone catches Helmuth although he's also far from done accumulating. Uh, Phil Ivey could probably do it if he was properly motivated, which he isn't and it hasn't been for like the last 15 <laughs> yeah. years. To him, poker tournaments are not an opportunity to win money in bracelets. They're a time suck keeping him away from the cash tables where he could be winning more <laughs> money. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but anyway, I'm, I, I'm 99% sure nobody is catching Brady. Someone could catch Helmuth, uh, but it won't be easy because we know he believes in the philosophy of gamble on fellas gamble on he yeah, could spend yeah. another 30 years gambling on racking up bracelets and and put his record really out of reach
3: yeah i mean the, i guess the one thing i'd say is that there there's a good parallel there of you know getting so far ahead of everybody else that uh that uh, i'm not gonna live long enough to see anybody catch you that's that's the that's the common thread here
2: i don't know you know life expectancies are uh, are always uh changing john uh, maybe you could live to be 140 or something i'm not ruling it oh. out
3: I'm not looking for t- looking forward to it, but okay.
2: You're you're rooting against that. You're taking the under on on one forty. I'm demanding the under. <laughs> demanding the under. I like. I will it. make the under. I will I will make the market <laughs> under. Yeah. There you go. You can kind of control this one to an extent, I suppose. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number one hundred sixty-five of Gamble on. If you missed any of our previous hundred sixty-four episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Subscribe rate, review. Just don't use any of Phil Helmuth's favorite four-letter words in your review, please.
3: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by New Jersey-based professional gambler Captain Jack Andrews. He's one of the co-creators of unabated.com. We're going to get his take on the rapid rise of legal sports betting and a certain milestone number recently crossed in his home state. But first, it's been a very busy week in the world of gambling again. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
2: John just mentioned a milestone number in New Jersey, and that is our lead story this week. We assured you it was going to happen. And we came very close to being wrong. But nevertheless, we were right. Uh, New Jersey produced the biggest ever single month legal sports betting handle in September, crossing $1 billion with a final tally of $1,011,114,311. That edges out the previous record set last December of $996.3 million. That is obviously the headline news in the world of September sports betting numbers, but there were a few other notable nuggets Uh, revenue in New Jersey missed the record by a couple hundred thousand dollars landing at 82.4 million in neighboring Pennsylvania the handle was 578.8 million only the second highest tally ever for the state January 2021 still holds the record there. One area in which Pennsylvania did set a state record in September was in promotional credits, handing out $19.9 million in bonuses as the sportsbooks battled for customers. And in Michigan, it was also a close but no cigar month in terms of setting a record, as bettors wagered $354.2 million, just shy of March's record, $359.5 million. So what we're seeing, John, is enormous numbers but not the record-shattering numbers we might have expected the first month of football season. Any surprises in these numbers for you? Are, Are we reaching a plateau point in some of these more established states, or is there still room for significant growth?
3: Well, you know, at first I'm thinking, wait, how can September 2021 not be any previous month from January through August? That seemed uh, preposterous to me. So <laughs> I didn't get it all. But I, I do have my handwritten list of uh, annual revenue by month here in New Jersey at my side. Okay. And I noticed that uh, New, New Jersey, $959 million in January and $860 million in March. And those months do rank 2-3 in New Jersey in 2021. So it's not quite as outrageous as I first thought. But still, I mean, September 2019 in New Jersey beat out January and March of that year also. So, because come on, full slates of college and pro gridiron games. I mean, Pennsylvania and Indiana gamblers, you're better than this. <laughs> now, as room for growth, Pennsylvania has millions more people than New Jersey, yet not even 60 percent of the handle last month. So lots of room to, for growth for sure there
2: in In theory, at least, but it's just the numbers in Pennsylvania, for whatever reason, are not uh, not approaching the New Jersey numbers uh, at least at least not yet. No, no state is <laughs> approaching the New Jersey numbers yet. and and yet these New Jersey numbers are not quite as high as I thought they were going to be. As you know, John, I set the New Jersey line at one point two four billion. Uh, I couldn't conceive of a world in which the billion dollar line wasn't crossed. And yet we came just some mattress Mac pocket change away from not getting there. Um, so, While there's still room to grow, I think maybe we're seeing something close to the ceiling in these states. Um, I I think at least the exponential growth period is over in these states that have been at it for a few years. Um, I'm most surprised by Michigan. You know, they've they've only had legal online sports betting since January. So this was just the ninth month and they might be hitting a plateau or close to it already. I, I thought that would be a larger market. Uh, it doesn't help that the Lions stink, I suppose, but you know they have good college teams, and, and people bet all NFL games, not just the local team. So yeah. that was one state I would have thought for sure would set a new high in September. So, so that's probably the biggest surprise for me. Uh, we haven't heard yet from Illinois. They report later. We'll see what they do in September. We're waiting on Nevada, of course, but several of the big states are in now. And uh, I think my prediction from several months ago of $5 billion in nationwide betting, uh, that's, that's going to be an overshoot.
3: Yeah, I, I think October is going to tell us a lot on this front because, uh, you know, it, I mean, the most Likely outcome probably is very similar numbers, but um, you know, there could be growth. Imagine if there's slippage though. So uh, definitely want to keep an eye on that to see, but you, you could be right. This is kind of where it's going. And yeah, to sort of be saying like, well, you know, billions pretty good, I guess, but I thought it would be more, right. I guess we're a little greedy.
2: <laughs> I guess so. It is a, a matter of perspective. Um, one, one other interesting quick note is that uh, draft Kings is easily winning Michigan in terms of handle And yet lost $4.3 million for the month in terms of revenue, Um, which takes us back to that Pennsylvania note about promotional play. Although in Pennsylvania, Uh it was FanDuel giving away more than DraftKings. Um, And FanDuel, uh, by the way, is beating DraftKings in terms of handle in Pennsylvania. DraftKings is winning Michigan, as I said. So I don't know. It's kind of surprising that you can generate that much handle and uh, and end up with a a losing month.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'll i never say there's too much competition from a consumer standpoint, right. but boy, from the operators, they, they certainly feel that way.
2: Yeah. All right. Our second story is related to the first. It's more numbers out of New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Michigan. But now we're going to focus on the online casino figures in by far the three biggest online casino states. Two of the three set new online casino records in September. New Jersey reached a new high of $122.6 million in revenue, and Michigan crossed the $100 million barrier for the first time with $102.4 million. Pennsylvania landed at $97.8 million, about $3.5 million short of the state's record. One conclusion I think we can draw here is that the correlation between sports betting, and online casino play is strong. Like we know why sports betting is much higher in September than in August, but why should online casino be much higher unless people are on their sports betting apps and therefore more prone to dabble on the casino side? Uh, John, what are your thoughts on these numbers? And I know you have some interesting analysis about online casino tax revenue in New Jersey to share.
3: I, I know here in New Jersey, I get bombarded constantly by my sports betting apps to go over the dark side of online casino. <laughs> that's obviously my phrasing, not theirs, but right, it's never going to work on me. But Lord knows they try. And obviously, they're luring lots of consumers with the bait of free money. And it's it's just constant bombardment. So that's why it doesn't surprise me so much. Uh, New Jersey in particular, uh, this is going to have their first, you know, they legalized in 2013 for online casino. It's the Delaware. And so they're kind of the canary in the coal mine for everybody else. But, you know, in many cases, there are, european established companies who you know when they first got to new jersey eight years ago they were so happy to get into any u.s marketplace they didn't so much mind sharing something like a quarter to a third of the revenue with their casino partners which is a requirement of state law but by now they've they're clearly questioning why do they have to share it all you know that's a fight they're not going to win but I, I digress but on the traditional casino side they're steamed because that 100 million dollar plus figure not only gets lumped in with regular casino revenue which they feel makes them look like a healthier industry than they really are that they still need help, they say. But the brick and mortar companies, they get taxed that way, as if they made that $100 million, which they didn't. So they're not happy either. And you know they're trying to lobby their way out of paying what technically are payments in lieu of taxes or pilots on, on like casino revenue at all. So um, there's kind of an extreme right now where, you know, should they pay it or should they not pay it? And the question is, they probably should pay some of it and not all of it. Um, so the numbers here are huge. And uh, yet neither side is happy with this shotgun marriage in New Jersey. And for, it's for different reasons, obviously. But you know, watch for these pressure points to grow in 22 in New Jersey, and they're going to start percolating. Uh, I think elsewhere around the country too.
2: Hmm fascinating stuff there in new jersey and uh I'm, I'm drawn again to to michigan here as i look at these uh, numbers uh, mediocre sports betting handle state as we just discussed uh, but massive iCasino revenue state and bet mgm is absolutely dominating there i'm not sure the reason that they got so much market share but they have about 40 percent of the profits which is as much as second third fourth and fifth places combined basically so i'm again i'm not sure uh how bet got so far out ahead of everyone else, other than that, MGM has a good presence in uh, in Detroit and and in Michigan already, I guess. Um, but. Um, You know, in in all of these states, operators are making more money from online casino than from sports betting and online casino generates more tax revenue. And we keep saying this, but if these state governments really want to help with their budget issues, legalizing online casino will go a lot further than legalizing sports betting. Um, But certainly for for gamblers and for operators, the two go hand in hand, casino and sports betting, having these apps where it's a shared bankroll and Oh, DraftKings just did a can't lose promo with a fifty dollar max bet. And I won forty-five dollars on this uh, you know, game where I got a line of plus a hundred points. Now I have this extra money and oh, just one little tap and I'm at a blackjack table. Uh, you know, the, the more time people are spending on their sportsbook app, the more likely many of them are to spend a little money in the online casino. I, I think that's clearly what we're seeing because to me, there's no other reason why September should be a way bigger month for online casino than, say, April or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, any sensible person should, in, in a competitive state, uh, like ours uh, should be making money on sports betting just from the promotions alone. There's so many easy ones, easy money ones that if you do those and you don't get carried away, otherwise you're, you're all going to be ahead if you're, if you're smart. And so, right. So then the question is, so what does a person who's ahead like that do? And yeah, some people are going to say, what the heck? I just won 300 bucks. So, uh, you know, I'll risk a hundred or so for an hour on blackjack and I might win, you know, it's true. They might win. I mean, right. in the long run, they don't, unless you're a pro, but uh, you know, I can, I can see it. And, and you know, much as I'm kind of teasing about, I am bombarded by these ads, but uh, you know, not going to kill me. And it's a free country. And right, a certain percentage of customers they want to do that. So you know, uh, obviously, it's a great uh, customer acquisition. Code. Like, gee, can I find somebody who might play online casino? Well, here's somebody who who uh, has our sports betting app. They like to gamble, obviously. So yeah, I think they might be a good match for us. So uh, it makes sense. And uh, again, for a lot of consumers, they're happy to get the the casino promos too. So, you know, more power to it, free enterprise and all that.
2: Yep. All right. uh, Changing gears for our third story this week. uh, Let's talk about the NFL's latest gambling partner. It's not the sort of gambling partner we're used to them announcing a deal with. On Wednesday, the NFL entered into a three year deal with the National Council on Problem Gambling as the league launched a responsible betting public awareness campaign and provided the NCPG with a grant of six point two million dollars. The sportsbook operators that are partnered with the NFL have agreed to participate in the campaign, which will include funding problem gambling resources, modernizing the national gambling help hotline, developing a website with the address responsibleplay.org, and promoting responsible gambling messaging and even TV ads. Uh, John, how big a deal is this? And do you feel this is adequate for now in terms of the biggest, richest U.S. sports league getting out in front of this?
3: Uh, it's interesting that council leaders are doing cartwheels because this is the biggest bonanza by far they've ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, and the federal government, remember, in the U.S., provides no funding for compulsive gambling. Uh, that's alone among major addictions. So the council needs help from somewhere, and and I don't blame them for being gratified by this and thinking of all the good they can do with it, which they will. Uh, so this money really helps. But I uh, six point two million. That's literally about what Commissioner Roger Goodell makes in salary, and not even two months. So I don't want to be an ingrate, but maybe I am an ingrate or a cynic or one of those. I I don't know. The numbers, it's not jumping out of me. And I'm trying to think about it from the NCPG side because it's a big deal for them. And it is really helpful. So am I an ingrate or cynic or what am I? (laughs)
2: Uh, You could be both. Uh, You could be an ingrate. You could be a cynic, Uh, but uh, also a a realist. And uh, instead of cynic, maybe skeptic uh sort of a a prove in a position of kind of prove it to me nfl uh that Mm. you're serious about this i'm not sure quite how to view this it's certainly easy to mock the big bad nfl for shifting its view on sports betting in complete 180 fashion once it saw a path to making money off sports betting it's easy to be skeptical about the things this big corporate entity does but You know, on paper, this looks like a positive thing or a responsible thing. I I don't think it's just window dressing. Um, You you talk all the time, John, about how Europe has offered the U.S. all sorts of test cases that we can build on, try to do better than, use to see things coming. I'm sure people at the NFL have been paying attention to Europe, seeing what happened there, seeing how quickly sports betting is taking off in the U.S. And I think they're actually being responsible here and thinking – Let's control this a little. Let's take problem gambling seriously. It's in everyone's best interest long term. Now, I'm I'm sure it's also window dressing to an extent. You know, I'm sure the NFL knows it looks good to partner with the NCPG, but I don't think it's all just about reputation and, and image. Um, we we spoke a few weeks ago about um, the NFL taking control of the advertising during games and limiting the number of sportsbook ads and that philosophy falls in line with this philosophy, even, even if the motivations aren't identical. Like I, I think the limiting of ads was more about not wanting to overly annoy their viewers, um, but it still per- serves the purpose of not feeding problem gambling. If you limit the ads, if, if you balance them with responsible gambling ads and messaging, so I don't, bottom line, I am inclined to not be a total cynic and, and to say that the NFL is being at least a tiny bit altruistic here, but uh, I do come back to what you pointed out, how tiny a dolly, dollar figure $6.2 million is to this league. That's you know one slow day of Jersey sales profits. It's an easy investment for them to make, but I think it should be applauded just the same. And, and of course, now the per- pressure is on the NBA, NHL, MLB, PGA, et cetera, to, to do something similar.
3: Yeah, I, I am impressed with the, you know, one, uh, you know, you watch Sunday night football or Monday night football or whatever, and you're a casual fan and you're only seeing one ad, one gambling ad per quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. I mean, it, yeah, for, there's a million reasons for it, but I think the result is really good. First of all, the majority of the fans, they don't care about gambling and half of them don't even aren't even in a state that has it legally anyway. Right. Uh, and then also, you know, it, it can, It just doesn't entice as many people into it. I, you know, I just, I think the result of that is quite good. And then, yeah, then the result here is good. This is 6.2 million, you know, believe it or not, is a lot for NCPG. So, um, so the results here are good. So yeah, maybe I, uh, I shouldn't worry too much about the uh, motivations and maybe just focus more on the results.
2: But uh, you know, let's see. Uh, let's see if they re up and put more money into it down the road. Because yeah, as as you point out, six point two million really really is nothing to them, even if it's a huge amount to the NCPG. Yep.
3: It's time to welcome a special
0: guest from the world of gambling.
2: Let's get to the Gamble On interview. During this milestone week. In jersey sports betting who better to have on the podcast than one half of the team that sets the over underline every month on new jersey sports betting handle a professional gambler from the great state of new jersey and one of the creators of the website unabated.com he's about to make his third appearance on gamble on and i still have no idea what his real name is captain jack andrews jack welcome back to the podcast
1: Thanks, Eric. Thanks, John. It's, uh, it's great to be here with you again, I'm up to three times. This is impressive.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, so let's start with that billion-dollar handle. Uh, and, and with the line that you and your friend Alfonso set on Twitter, you set the line at an even billion. I thought it would be much higher, but you pretty much nailed it exactly. You were off by a mere 11 million bucks. Uh, regardless of whether people expected a bit more or not, can you put into perspective what that number, one billion, means? And would you have expected in 2018 that New Jersey could have gotten here this fast?
1: So Al- Alfonso Straffin and I, we do create the what we call the Alpha Jack power index number, <laughs> uh, purely tongue-in-cheek. There's really not a lot of thought into it. There's a couple of DMs exchanged back and forth, and we we take the average of our two numbers. Uh, for this one, though, we decided to just use that that round uh 10 digit, is it 10 digits? Yeah, 10 digit number, 1 yep. billion dollars, because we figure everyone's that's gonna be the, the headline anyway. So I was actually surprised it was that close to a billion. I thought it would be a little bit over. I know Eric, you had said 1.24. Right. Uh we had kind of internally talked about 1.1 something. So uh but am I impressed by a billion dollars? Hell yeah, I'm impressed by <laughs> a billion dollars. Uh did I envision this back in 2018? I, you know, I, I don't think I was thinking in terms of handle back then. You know, Handel is something that we're, the media, everyone, we, we glom to because we feel like it's the, the shock number. Um, but it really doesn't tell the tale of how successful it is. It just tells the tale of how much people in the East Coast, Mid-Atlantic region love to gamble. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that's totally true. I mean, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New York, jersey that's that's the sports betting capital of the world in terms of like people just love to bet on their sports here so did i think we'd get a billion dollars in handle i i I guess i kind of did i what the number i was really thinking about is how much revenue this would produce for the people that get in and do it right um and you know it has and it has not in some cases
3: Yeah, I'm wondering, though, about that billion. You know, we got to give credit. uh, You know, I know I do when I think of our uh, treasury here uh, to New York, which uh, has not gotten around to mobile sports betting yet and decided to offer legal sports betting only in the places where nobody lives, starting in the Catskills and going north from there. So there are estimates of up to 200 to 250 million out of that, say, billion coming from New Yorkers. So now next year, New York will have mobile sports betting. I don't think they're going to have it at the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to have it at March Madness either. But certainly a year from now, this time, a year from now, they're going to have it. I think that's fair to say. So assuming they do, the simple uh, math is, OK, well, we know what's going to go going to happen here. It was a billion. And now New York's going to take its 200 million back. So now it's down to 800 million. I'm pretty sure the math isn't that simple. So how much of an impact do you think New York finally getting aboard is really going to have?
1: John, I think there will be some impact. However, New Jersey has something coming online in 2022 The exchanges, we've got two sports betting exchanges starting. Now, everyone is saying, oh, come on, there's not enough liquidity in the market for that exchange concept to have any real uh, weight into the numbers. But think about it this way. How is exchange handle going to be reported? Uh, Because there's no sports book there. There's there's two sides. Are we going to report both sides? Is that going to create double numbers and, and vastly increase handle? Uh, are we only going to report the commissions that the exchanges take in terms of the gross gaming revenue? Because that's going to be a very smaller number. That's going to that's going to decrease the overall uh, handle revenue split in the state. But but more importantly, there are some big financial giants coming in behind these exchanges. They want in on these exchanges. They want to be able to make markets. They want to be able to. Uh, you know, take prices, uh, they feel like they're operating on a huge margin here. And this would be a, a bonanza to them. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing millions of dollars flying around in these exchanges right off the bat from these financial heavyweights going toe to toe with each other. So this concept that New Jersey has been reliant on New York, and the number going to drop precipitously. I don't quite agree with that. I think there could be $200 million coming in from exchanges within a year. And I know that's going to be sound crazy to some people, but uh, it, it just could happen.
3: Yeah. What about with New York? Uh, we don't know how many books they're going to have. New Jersey has about 20 right now. And obviously, there's all kinds of uh, competition there that's good for the consumer. Uh, New York's going to have, I guess, four to nine. It's going to be a massive tax rate, though. So they're not likely to offer you know that many en- enticements because they their bottom line isn't that great. So uh, do you think that new york's final decision coming up soon on exactly how many operators is that going to have a big effect on how much money new york's able to get back from new jersey
1: i think it will especially if there are some bespoke operators that don't get into new york that have Mm. have products that consumers are latching on to if it's just the same you know three or four books that they've seen elsewhere consumers might not be that impressed uh they might continue to want to go to new jersey or want to go offshore Um, you know, I, I don't know if that tax rate is going to really affect the bonuses and promotions. I fell into this trap before when Pennsylvania announced, I said, Oh, no way. 36% tax rate. You're not going to have any bonuses. You're going to have minus minus one twenty lines. No, they proved me wrong. So, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to step into that again on New York. And I'll just say, I I'm interested to see what they do and and how they do it.
2: Sort of a follow-up to both my question and John's question. We, we just barely hit hit the billion um for these next few months before new york uh, is, is a factor really you know i thought we'd sail over the billion and thus all of football season we're going to crush a billion dollars in in new jersey with it just having barely done it what what are your i don't want to i don't want you to give away the alfo jack numbers for next month necessarily but what are your general expectations for these next few months of football season are, are we going to keep building on this or is it yeah we may or may not hit a billion each month uh look i'll I'll tip my hand here uh october
1: is going to be a booming month what we've seen the first couple weeks of october and mind you october has five weekends that's always a key Ah. for any kind of casino numbers when there's a five weekend month you know the the numbers go go booming uh the the players the the public bettors have won in the first couple weeks of october which means they're going to plow that money right back in in the second two weekends of october the second three weekend third weekends, whatever. That money is going to go right back in the system. You know, these bookmakers that are crying their crocodile tears that they lost last weekend, you know, big deal. You're going to get the money back sometime this season. The betters never end the season uh, up. So that's going to come back in. Now, if we have a week sometime in, you know, early November or so where the books crush the betters, that money doesn't come back, especially when you get towards the holiday season people go, oh, you know what? I can't afford to go gamble with this time. I got to do my Christmas shopping, holiday shopping, whatever. Uh, so that's why we always see a decrease in November. December peaks up a little because of the bowl season, get some, some extra bets in there. Uh, we have NBA and NHL going now. So I'm pretty confident in saying we're going to top a billion each of these last four months of the 2021 calendar year in New Jersey. November is the only one that I'm a little bit suspicious about. I could see November going under the billion mark, but October and December, yeah, almost certainly over. Okay.
2: Um, so uh, on your site, Unabated, uh, you guys are providing tools to make people better at sports gambling, to help them stay in the game longer, at the very least. I'm not so sure these sports books have the same goal. Um, In three years now, uh, actually a little over three years of legal sports betting in New Jersey what's the number one thing you feel the books or the state are doing right? And what's the number one thing you feel they're doing wrong?
1: Uh, Thank you, Eric, for bringing up unabated.com. I I appreciate that. Uh, Okay. In, in these three years, and I've been very close to this industry for a while now, the one thing that I think these books are doing a commendable job of is the betting buffet. In other words, we have expanded sports betting, um, Almost hyperbolically from where it was a decade ago, when it was really you just had sides totals and you had Super Bowl props. Now there are tons of props, and the, and the betters love the props. We have a Discord channel on our site, and the the biggest conversations are all about the props every week. People love the huge buffet of lines available to them, and I think that's good that the sports books are embracing that. It's a lot of surface area for a sports book to cover when they offer all these derivatives and props, uh, but the betters are eating it up and they really love that. They're not just restricted to a side and a total a money line on a game. Now, the thing that the sports books are, this is going to be problematic is they're not happy with the organic hold of sports betting. The organic hold of sports betting has always been five to 8% roughly uh, is the margin. And we all know that's a low margin for this industry and they want to push that forward. They want, they want to go, oh, no, we really need to have like, Eight to 15%. And then we had states like Tennessee that are even encouraging a higher margin. Well, that encourages things like same game parlays, which are usually not priced well for the better. There, there's an extra amount of VIG packed in there, and they don't kind of show you the, the calculations on how they came up with this parlay uh, price. You just kind of go, oh, it's all in the same game. So therefore it must be good. So I, you know, I don't, I don't mind that this is only paying. Uh, plus one hundred and fifty for these three events to all happen in the same game, and the same game parlay is 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 in order to kind of push that revenue number up higher. Um, look, same game parlay started in Australia because they weren't allowed to do in game betting, and this was a way for them to have you know you create a narrative on how the game will go, and you kind of string those all together to create a bet. That's where same game parlay started, and they've expanded into this you know lottery ticket mentality where you just create this ridiculous lottery scenario sometimes with inverse correlation and hope that it hits uh and you know hey we we all know what the hold is for the lottery and the sports books are starting to resemble that in terms of the hold for these same game parlays we're pushing into double digit hold percentage overall which is a little bit scary uh when you gut the fish very quickly uh you know there's there's not sustainable so um, the, the betters, you know, unfortunately getting gutted by these uh, same game parlay products.
2: Right. And, and speaking of the, the books uh, not being satisfied with the hold, wanting to win as much as they can, or in some cases, I guess, n- not lose much. Where are you on the current state of successful betters getting limited in New Jersey? Is that a major problem, a minor problem? Where are you on that?
1: Uh, it's a problem that I, I think I'm tired of trying to change the narrative that's out there about it. Uh, you know, the books come back and say it's a business decision. Uh, sports betting is a recreational product. You shouldn't w- desire to make a living off of it. Uh, whereas, you know, as myself, as a professional better, I said, well, then why are you promising all these untold riches on your TV commercials? Why are you saying that? Look, you can win it all. You can do it all with with this sports book. Um, you know, that, that message is, is contradictory. Uh, here's my solution. Make all sports books display their maximum bet they're willing to take with a caveat of, we allow you to exceed this if we so desire. So in other words, uh, if, there, if, if there's a sports book that's only willing to take $2 from me on an NBA total, which there are a few that are like that, they need display to all users. Our maximum bet on the NBA totals is $2, but you may exceed it. Uh, well, Joe Public is going to look at that and go, $2? Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm going to play at this sports book if they're only going to give me $2. Uh, you guys are a joke. Uh, it's a sort of public embarrassment. So mm-hmm. if they're, if they're going to restrict anyone to that low of a limit, they need to say, that's our limit for everyone, and you're free to uh, exceed it if we so choose to let you, rather than it be, we have these sky-high limits but we're free to decide if we want to limit you down to a lower number than what everybody else gets. That's, that's my solution that I'm going with for now for the the limiting
2: problem. It's an interesting idea. I don't see it happening.
1: No, (laughs) I'm sure you don't either. Until I become the, uh, the director of the, uh, the DGE, but I'm still waiting for that political appointment. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, Captain, uh,
3: we both know that in states like Pennsylvania, like New Jersey, uh, I would say Colorado and probably Michigan, and I may be missing one or two, but uh, there, is, there is such competition out there that the promotions are rather remarkable. Um, you know, the the books that only offer you a free $500 bet to sign up are kind of on the cheap side, it seems, and 5000 I think, is the highest we've seen, and so you can ring there are states you can do a dozen of these. And if you know how to do it properly and you've, you have put out some tutorials on how to do it, it's actually very easy to make thousands of dollars on this. Um, you can almost guarantee like a low couple thousand and give yourself a shot at uh, a higher number of thousand. But I find that I'm reluctant to tell anybody you know, who doesn't ask me first, a friend, family, whatever, to say, hey, you can do this and make easy money, partly because you know, to maximize your benefit, you have to bet $500 on a game or even $5,000 on a game. And I don't, I just, I don't know if I'm too squeamish, but I'm just reluctant to, you know, possibly have somebody enjoy something so much that they decide, Hey, I want to do that again and again and find themselves in trouble. So I wonder if I'm just being a little silly and old fashioned, uh, or is that something you really get consider also?
1: No, John, you make a good point because I think we do kind of lapse in, the responsible gaming part of a lot of what I do as a professional better or what I um, recommend people do in order to optimize their promotions and bonuses. Uh, Yes, it's a dichotomy because there there is no such thing as a free lunch, but with these promos and bonuses, it's it's as good as they advertise. Uh, The discipline is you need to stop when you no longer have an edge. And I've long held that the worst thing that can happen when you try a new gamble is you lose. But the second worst thing that can happen is you win. And when you're doing a thing like this, where there's promotion and bonus where you're going to win that, you know, that's going to hook a few people. So yeah, there's definitely, I think a cautionary tale to some people that you need to be careful about getting involved with gambling. It's not always going to be this easy. Hopefully they can recognize that when they understand like the, you know, hundred percent, loss rebate is not something you see every day. Um, So they, you know, they can kind of play responsibly, but no, John, I've had those same feelings myself in terms of trying to teach people how to do it optimally.
3: Yeah, and you have such an unusual job. You know, when I was covering the NBA in the 1990s, I'd find if I'm at a party or something, I don't really want to tell a dude, you know, about, uh, in particular, about what I do, because I'm just going to get an endless series of questions. And of course, when I was single, if it was a young lady, I'd be more likely to uh, bring it up without even prompting. But um, because it's, it's such an unusual situation, and you have that too. And so I'm wondering if you are meeting people for the first time or whatever, are you reluctant to talk about what you do? Are you going to think they'd be too interested? Or, you know, because again, you don't, every sports fan probably thinks, oh, I should just quit my job. I could make money doing this. And obviously, you know, less than 1% probably could. So do you ever uh, tell somebody, I don't know, you sell insurance, which probably changed the topics in a hurry at a cocktail party?
1: Uh, The the line I I used in the past was I'm a mortician uh, and people don't like to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, But no, so I have not shied away from it recently. I'm more open with it now i do lead off with i'm a professional gambler and i let them decide how they want to take that conversation um Mm. most of them say oh you're a poker player and i go yeah yeah i don't you know i don't play poker anymore (laughs) but that's if that's (laughs) where they're going to go with it that's the most legitimate of the the angles that that professional gamblers do then we'll go with it uh rarely does it go into sports betting because immediately they think you're a bookie uh that's just where they go and you know i try to explain but it gets complicated fast, so uh, I don't shy away from it. I say I'm a professional gambler, and I kind of let them take the lead on where they want to go with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's not something that it's it's really easy to uh, explain your profession in in a ten minute conversation.
2: So so the people that you meet at these at a party or a social function or, or whatever where you are introduced under your real name do you then do you tell them that you are also captain jack andrews or do you do you not let those streams cross
1: no you know i don't i don't advertise my youtube channel i don't say that oh i've got you know sixteen thousand followers on youtube and whatever it is on twitter um i you know I'd, i'd rather not kind of just give that identity away right away anyway
2: yeah. Right. You don't, you, don't, you don't want to run that risk that somebody is going to uh, out you under your real name uh, since you've, you've been this successful remaining uh, anonymous under the pseudonym. Or, or am I the only one who still doesn't know?
1: know.
2: <laughs> no, no, you're not.
1: You're not the only one at all. No. Here's the thing. The reason the reason I originally did it was I didn't want the casinos and sports books to know who I was. They figured it out because when you have an account, you have to submit identification and verification and all that. You know, so it doesn't take long for them to go. Who's this sharp better? Pull up my ID picture, whatever they have, and go. Oh, okay, now I know Captain Jack's real name. Uh, and sometimes they like to to throw that out at me. You know, like right. they like to refer to me by my real name in private conversations, just so they you know can say that they know. But whatever, it's a cat and mouse game. Right. <laughs> All right
2: well uh the third appearance on gamble on has been uh, at least as fun as the previous two if not more so uh thanks uh thanks for coming on once again captain jack and i'll uh let everyone know in case they're not following you on twitter it's at capjack 2000 is the uh, is the place to find you there thanks for coming on G- gamble on once again
1: thanks eric and john always a pleasure two men, two men.
2: ten thousand
0: dollars
3: will they run it up
0: or blow it all
3: It's time to check in on the Gamble on Bankroll.
2: We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. And the losing streak is over. A new winning streak has hopefully begun. Uh, John, you had a good hit with Colin Morikawa. He narrowly missed the outright win, but you did comfortably win the top 10 bet for a net of $65 in profit on him. Your Iowa spread bet lost as they suffered a major upset and lost outright. Uh, good thing that wasn't a points bet style bet. Um, that cost us $110, but we got most of that back, winning 100 on the Packers-Bears game going under. Add it all up, and we won $55. Bucks. We're now down $1,477. We also have $1,110 on hold in Futures bets, which leaves us with $7,413 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first. And as I noted in my weekly Tuesday NFL early lines column, line it up. uh, The teaser menu this week is a bit tricky with some gigantic spreads that don't get all that safe if you move them the standard six or seven points. So this, I think, is a good week to go for the 10 point tease with a few big favorites. These teams are arguably the three best teams in the NFC. They're all playing at home. And I looked around at a few sports books to find the best combination of lines and FanDuel seems the best place for this one. We have the Rams hosting the Lions. It's a 15 and a half point spread. We move that down to minus five and a half gets us past those key six, seven and eight numbers. Uh, We have the Bucks hosting the Bears. Tampa uh, favored by 12 and a half. We can move that to minus two and a half again past a key number. They just need to win by a field goal at home against the Bears and their rookie quarterback. And then we have Arizona. I'm not sold that the Cardinals are all that great, but they're at least good. And maybe they're elite. They're favored by 17 and a half against the Texans, who stink, totally stink, for as long as they don't have Tyrod Taylor. Uh, They are not a good team at all. That week one win over Jacksonville threw us off the scent a little, but now they're one and five and they're as bad as we expected them to be. We move that to minus seven and a half, which at least puts us on the right side of that modern key number of eight. So it's Rams minus five and a half, Bucks minus two and a half, Cards minus seven and a half. It's priced at minus 143. So let's bet $143 to win a hundred. I may stink at picking against the spread this year, but if I can move the lines around, that's something I don't necessarily stink at.
3: Yeah, this loss is going to sting Eric, just like all the other teasers <laughs> and parlays you do. I think the Texans are going to get you right there, just so you know.
2: But yeah,
3: uh, yeah anyway, um,
2: cards cards win by seven or six or something like that, where I'm yeah, real close. Yeah, I,
3: I can see that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now I did learn a little from that horrendous Iowa pick against Purdue last week, which is just shocking. You know, I mean, I have 50 or more games to choose from, right? And for my lone pick, I had two comments last week. Iowa's win over Penn State in the previous games, not as impressive as it might have seemed, which is true. Mm. And I hope the hawkeyes can handle the rarefied air of being ranked number two and i was a little you know dicey on that and so the the lesson is if you don't have anything good to say about the one double digit favorite you pick in a week pick another game dummy (laughs) (laughs) i learned that i don't know why i had to learn that lesson but i did now moving on but staying in the big 10 i shopped around and found the full 21 points for indiana at home against ohio state on saturday night 110 to win 100 you know, the Hoosiers were competitive against Cincinnati and Michigan State at home, and uh, they'll be the same here against a banged-up Buckeye squad, and I'm not hedging this selection at all. I like it. Okay.
2: All right. Good. Um, my second bet this week is a boxing bet. Uh, Newark, New Jersey's own 2016 Olympic silver medalist Shakur Stevenson takes on probably his best opponent yet in Atlanta on ESPN Saturday night. He faces 2012 Olympian Jamel Herring. Stevenson is a big favorite. He's between 7-1 to one and 9-1. to one stevenson to win by decision is nicely priced at minus 130 when it probably i think should be closer to minus 200 Uh, stevenson has eight ko's among 16 wins but as you take on better opposition your ko rate goes down not up this is probably a distance fight and it's probably stevenson winning comfortably let's bet 130 dollars to win 100 all right and uh, you know i've become fond
3: of the off offbeat NBA futures bet I chose this week for colleague Mike Seeley's article on offbeat NBA futures. So (laughs) I'm going to go 100 to win 170 on DraftKings. I'm picking field when it comes to the state of the NBA championship next summer. Uh, So what does that mean? I lose if the champion is from California, New York, Florida, or Texas. So I lose if it's Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Nets, eight mavericks pretty much that group and that's a little that's a little scary i do get the bucks the suns the jazz your 76ers the nuggets and so forth you know i wouldn't call this an even money you uh, line but i'm getting a far better number than that so i also expect the field team to make a blockbuster deal in february and if not <laughs> let's go bucks to repeat
2: i like i like that and uh, it, i like it especially in terms of just sort of a fun sweat it gives us a lot yeah. to root for yeah. as the playoffs begin we're exactly. not we're not going to be out of it until you know the earliest i think we could be out of it is like the nba finals maybe gets like a the uh, the the nets against the lakers or something and then we're done but at, at least up mm-hmm. until that point we're we're yeah. sure to have a dog in the fight so okay. exactly all right and we finished the show with the fast five where if I could buy out of the contest and surrender I would but that <laughs> wouldn't make for very good podcasting I suppose uh, John and I had two shared picks last week and we split them winning by a lot with the Rams and losing by a lot with the Lions but I went zero and three on my other picks and John went three and zero on his so. His four and one week lifts his record to an outstanding 18, 11, and one, which would have you tied for 200th place out of nearly 2,000 in the super contest right now. Not over the cash line, but within striking range. Uh, my one and four week sinks me to 11 and 19, which, if I'm looking for silver linings, there are some people in the super contest with a worse record. Not many, but they do exist. Uh, <laughs> in any case, I have no choice but to soldier on. And I'm up first this week. Let's start with tonight's game. Broncos plus two at Cleveland. This line has moved from four and a half to two as the Browns have ruled out Chubb, Mayfield, half the O-line, et cetera. It hasn't moved quite enough in my view. And we all know about Teddy Bridgewater's record as a road dog. I like the Broncos here, even if Case Keenum in place of Baker Mayfield isn't necessarily that big of a downgrade. Um, next, Titans are getting five and a half points at home against the Chiefs. That strikes me as a little bit high. I know there's Titans let down potential off the big night, Monday night win over the Bills, but this just looks like a game where neither defense can stop either offense. Lots of points are scored. Somebody scores the go ahead touchdown late. Give me the team getting five and a half points. My next pick here, I will invest in one of the games that's part of our three team teaser. The Superbook has the Rams at minus 15 against the Lions. It is a lot of points, but McVay knows exactly how to torture his former quarterback, Goff. This screams blowout. I'll go ahead and take the Rams to cover all those points at home. Next up is the most surprising line of the week. I can hardly believe the Raiders are only favored by three at home against the Eagles. That number suggests that on a neutral field, these teams are supposed to be even. I just don't see it. The Raiders are league average. The Eagles are a full level below league average. The Raiders are just fine without John Gruden. Uh, I nearly picked them for the fast five last week, and I wimped out, stayed away. Uh, Anyway, Raiders minus three is, for me, the easiest pick of the week. And last one, Monday night, the Saints ping pong from one extreme to the other, week to week. They're supposed to be due for a bad week following the pattern thus far. And meanwhile, Geno Smith has been remarkably adequate for the Seahawks so far. So Seattle at home, getting four and a half points against a yo-yoing Saints team, give me the Seahawks. And those are my five picks, uh, or well, they would be my five picks. But John, I'm pulling a Costanza. I'm doing the opposite. (laughs) It's a bold move to distrust my picks so much that I just completely take the other side but that's what I'm going to do after starting the season with a four and one week. You'll recall week one, I am an unfathomable seven and 18 since, which means I would be a spectacular 18 and seven the last five weeks. If I'd had the foresight to just do the opposite, I've got nothing to lose. I have no job, no girlfriend, no prospects. I live at home with my parents. I'm ready to do the opposite. So erase everything nice. you were uh, jotting down as I made my picks. Give me uh-huh. the Browns minus two, the Chiefs minus five and a half, the Lions plus 15, the Eagles plus three, and the Saints minus four and a half. Those all look like losers to me on paper, but what do I know? I'm 11 and 19. I'm giving this strategy a whirl.
3: <laughs> my mind's officially blown because we have three of the same five games. <laughs> so,
2: now, now, so, now that I've switched them, we have three of the same five.
3: Well, we, no, we, we have three of the five games regardless. Ah, okay. Of it's not necessarily went.
2: the picture the same. Okay.
3: Right. right. So, uh, but still my mind is blown. So I'm just going to ignore <laughs> that for a minute. and Just okay. stick with my, uh, my notes here. Um, now the Browns are brutally depleted for Thursday night's home game against the Broncos. So I get the line. I want to Cleveland down from minus five and a half to minus two Mayfield out Keenum next man up at quarterback of course is downgrade but it's not like we're going from quarterback one to quarterback 64 or either really not right Broncos offense can't exploit the Browns D like the other teams have and especially if Teddy Bridgewater he's as banged up as he seems to be on this week's injury report so uh Browns minus two is the start one and we're now agreeing on that I
2: guess (laughs) yes we are
3: (laughs) um yeah. All right. Uh, Panthers minus three at Giants. Uh, the beatings will continue in East Rutherford and some cracks showed in the foundation in last week's debacle versus the Rams. Carolina's in better position now in that they know McCaff- McCaffrey will be out for weeks so they can plan accordingly. You know, it's tough in a week like last week In midweek. You're still thinking maybe he's going to play and then you learn that he can't. It's just tough to make a, a game plan adjustment on the fly like that because everything changes if he's in the game. Now it's terrible that he's not in there, but at least knowing is better than not knowing. Uh, this could be a very ugly game in more ways than one, uh, similar to the Browns game, actually, um, in, in some ways. Uh, Titans plus five and a half first Chiefs, who simply will not be given a reasonable spread after a sloppy cover against a dizzy football team on Sunday, still crazy numbers. So now I'm going against you. Okay, so yes. yeah, we did agree, and now we disagree. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Colts plus four at 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is expected back for the 49ers, but he's not fully healthy and uh, neither is is his rookie uh, buddy there. And the Colts, if you, if you squint at the six game results, I think they're actually a decent team. So I get the field goal in a toss up battle, even if Garoppolo goes to 60 minutes. And then finally, Yeah. Saints minus four and a half at Seahawks, which you now have. Okay, right. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I am picking against Geno Smith here. Uh, Seahawks play was uneven, even with Russell Wilson this year. I I just don't buy this team overall. Uh, It is tough to give Pete Carroll points in Seattle. I admit that. So this is my definitely my fifth of five picks, but that's what I'm going with.
2: Okay, so I, I mostly feel good about going the opposite of my instincts <laughs> because it means we're aligned now on two of the three instead of head to head on two of the three. Right. So <laughs> I don't know. Even my head is spinning now, but we'll see how this goes. And uh, I'm sure I'll come up with some ridiculous new strategy next week. Um, and that will do it for this episode of Gamble on. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Captain Jack Andrews. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out.
3: Yeah, I, I, I can't stop thinking about two weeks ago, Eric, when I mentioned a Harvard professor you know, at G2E in Las Vegas, he was recommending that gamblers keep a careful watch on their betting history. Uh, you flagged that comment as vital in poker and beyond, and it kind of underscored the point. Uh, yeah, so if you're betting more than an infinitesimal amount of your discretionary income, and this goes triple if you aren't single, by the way, uh, for God's sake, put a little extra work in and have a full track record you can learn from. You know, we both were astounded how terrible we are at season-long over-unders, for instance, and have been for years. Uh, at one point, you, I remember earlier this year, you noticed how often my repeated Tony Phoenix picks were in golf. And <laughs> right. Of course, I missed his breakthrough win, <laughs> but so I'm just <laughs> staying away from him. So you know, it's, it's it kind of comes down to a fork in the road. You know, either bet relative nickels and dimes, or you take your gambling seriously. Uh, it could be the difference between losing a little money and losing your shirt. And so, with that, uh, until next time, gamble on, fellas, gamble on.